0: I remember doing a whole module in college about that about weird reasons why stuff was censored. I got a funny thing mm-hmm. I told you before about the pa- postman pat thing. <laughs> I don't. No, we're not doing it with the postman pat. No. Um how they had to reanimate the entirety of Postman Pat for Japan.
1: <laughs> okay. Nope. Right.
0: You know the reason you know the reason why?
1: Let me get myself comfortable. When you go, right? I'm, right, I'm ready I, I, do I don't remember seeing see. tentacles in it.
0: They had no. They had to when they sold Postman Pat to the Japanese TV stations. They had to reanimate the entire thing because they showed the producers or heads of the channel like an episode as an example, and they couldn't understand why these Japanese films were distraught and like really, really kind of like like confused because <laughs> the sign. Do you know what the sign of leaving the Yakuza is? Like if you leave yeah. the Yakuza in disgrace,
2: you get your finger cut off, do you not?
0: Exactly, they get a finger cut off. How many oh, fingers oh, got Postman got? Four fingers, Pat, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so they <laughs> what thought did that this they... do. <laughs> <laughs> so they thought that this postman was um, a ex member of the Yakuza.
2: <laughs> I'd, I'd uh, love to see the episode where Postman Pat rolls his sleeves up and he's got full sleeve tattoos.
0: Yeah, so like, so, so, like the you know dragon and koi carp. Who <laughs> knows? Gonna... Yeah. Yeah and uh, he, when um, you know the days when Pat ran a hostess bar in Tokyo
2: <laughs> Yakuza past and his uh, mafia cats <laughs> Watching session Please me oh oh Mr. Curtis <laughs> session
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the corner of Doctor Who Fandom, whose closest experience with piracy is a third generation VHS copy of the Ursuline solution bought from Ingolston Sunday Market. It's a podcast that's a wash with salty seamen and also puts Doctor Who in the dock. It's a polis fox.
0: I'm Lee. I'm Dave. And I'm Cameron. You went to that joke straight off straight you? off the bat. No even the, the whistle has not even blown, and you're, you're there straight with your salty semen.
2: Yeah, just on that, I'm going to have to delete half my notes already, because that's
1: half my turn. <laughs> so, so we have a rewrite. That half? A live rewrite to start of the episodes. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> 30 minutes of furious tapping. Hang on a sec, I'll just Google
2: knob jags. That'll do. Knobjags? <laughs> uh, that, uh, I was drinking. Knobjags, alright? God,
0: knobjags sounds painful. <coughs>
2: Um, it probably is. I've had a piercing done. That stung a wee bit. That's a whole different podcast. You say that.
0: Let's just leave that one there. Let's please not go yeah, any further than uh, that. No. <laughs> Let's, <not laughs> Let's just leave that one. Yeah. Just, just let him to that. Let's just. He can have that. That's fine. Let's the second, on that.
2: The second time I had it done, they went through the scar tissue. That really stung. <laughs> yeah. Doctor Who. The smugglers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway. We're assuming
1: I- it was anybody still listening after that. <laughs> Oh, they're still listening because they haven't had the ability to switch off because they've just frozen in place.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they don't want a picture that.
1: And yet we already have.
2: Yeah, if you do want to
1: picture, email thepolisbogs at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the picture up for seven days after this episode goes <laughs> out.
0: Vote for it on Twitter. Yeah, or nay?
1: Anyway. <laughs> yes, back
2: to the subject at hand.
1: Yeah, I think we should get on them get away from that horrific imagery just paid you for the day thanks for that yeah that's all right that's what i do so this is going to be a bit of an odd one this week
0: it was a very odd one yes
1: given that the episode we're covering doesn't exist
0: no not in a kind of straightforward and watchable sense
2: no not in a way that you can actually focus on it no
0: no so the important question of this one though is are we sort of doing this case as it would have been broadcast at the time or are we doing it considering what we had to watch today or in in this time period?
1: Well unless you're sitting on some film cans hiding in your garage we're going to go for the reconstruction.
0: I had a a specially um, delivery from Nigeria the other day. Post box
1: exclusive. (laughs)
0: I, yeah, I, I'll just—I I think I'll just like um, put them on the uh, fire outside, you know, whilst from there, keep myself warm. Right. But yeah, you know I mean, I mean, are you, are you considering what it would have been like when you first saw it when we're talking about I, it? I
2: think I was kind of doing a bit of both. Because mm-hmm. okay. you can tell how okay. the story goes, so you can judge it yeah. on the story. And even though you can't necessarily see the story, you can't see the direction, you can't see the sets. You can kind of think how yeah. they might have done it. Yeah, so, I went a bit okay. of both
0: oh good 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 that's, that's, that's my notes all complete then that's fine I did. I, I found myself because obviously your, part of your brain's expected to be something radio related because you can get the audio but then the other part of your head sees a picture on the screen so you're kind of thinking oh it must be Kelly and you're kinda, your brain's caught too two
2: yeah. and you'll get part so where the screen just has a still image and then all of a sudden it'll move again and you to go yep. back to the screen and then it's still again and yep. it's hard to stay focused on the right part.
0: Mm-hmm. A little bit. It's a little bit of a weird one, this one, but we, I, I got there in the end. I, I was I was more used to it as the episodes went on, I think. Yeah. yeah. What's the melting point of uh, celluloid, anyway? <laughs>
3: let's
0: find out. Who's got some lighter fuel? Let's put that to the test. <laughs> yeah, let's just put that to the test. <laughs> it's not
1: the sort of thing you get <laughs> in Radio Free Scarra, was it?
0: No, no, not at all.
1: Not at all. Real are here. Right, before we get on with uh, this time's episode, shall we tie you up from last time? let's we shall so last time we done Destiny of the Daleks we put that on trial and we've got the results now Cameron you were defending I was defending it Dave prosecuting yep okay so the results Destiny of the Daleks guilty 38% not guilty 62% so Cameron's taking that one that's another win
0: for Cameron Sweet Jesus. Destiny. I was Destiny. expecting that to tank. <laughs> yeah, a travesty of justice. I think we can all agree. Well, I think you'll find that it was the best Dalek story <laughs> <laughs> <that laughs> ever told. That we've ever done on this podcast.
2: <laughs> Until the next one.
0: Yeah.
2: Until the next it, one. going right. on that one as well. It actually wasn't that bad.
0: Nah, it, was, it was fine.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Thank you. It, it, it was enjoyable enough.
2: I always view the polls that we do that even if something's bad it's going to win most of the time because most of the people that listen are fans so something has to be really 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 actually bad mm, to get found guilty
0: I'm still waiting until we put Her on trial and then everyone votes like well, that's not guilty just in spite of me I'm waiting on that <laughs> Oh
2: yeah. I'm going full sock puppet for that one <laughs> <laughs>
0: That'll be that it. just sounds wrong I'm going full sock puppet hen.
2: <laughs> I was going to spend 50 quid to get Katie Hopkins to vote on my side on Twitter. But that can't <laughs> happen anymore.
0: Oh, no. No, oh, no, really. No, really.
2: Yeah, so you won last time, Cameron, which is good.
0: I did. I did. So I'll get to decide whether it's prosecuting or defending when we draw the images later Yep, on. we do that later yeah. on at the end of the episode. Right. Fantastic. Good stuff. Shall we get on? Shall we get on? Yeah, we shall. Probably better. Lift the anchor,
1: set sail, and absolutely no frigging in the rigging. We're going to go back to series four of Doctor Who, William Hartwell's penultimate episode. This time we're putting the smugglers on trial. How
3: dare you follow me into the TARDIS? The what? The TARDIS, sir. This is a vessel for traveling through time and space. Why did you follow me?
2: I'm I'm terribly sorry if we've annoyed you, Doctor. It was my fault, I'm afraid. But what's all I stand
3: back from those controls. Those controls are used for dematerializing. Dematerializing? What does that mean? You and this young lady are experiencing it. You are now traveling through time and space. Hey, one more word, sir. If you should come this way again and find me gone, remember these words. This is Dead Man's Secret Key. Smallwood, Ringwood, Gurney. The big man over there, he's the squire, and he just on knowing who we are, where we're from. so you've come to I yeah? I have told you, young friend here, I want information. If you refuse to give it to me, I demand to told the truth. You'll
2: get it when you've got the
3: doctor back. You speak civil to the squire. Well, why don't you all do something?
2: Don't just stand there. Be silent, sir. I hold you both to be knaves and rogues and of highly suspicious intent. And as magistrate of this borough, I'm hereby arresting both of you.
3: For arresting us? What for? For the murder of the church warden. For this villainous deed, you will be imprisoned until the next assizes, and there, punished accordingly terrible sure, or in hell! name have you dragged in here now i demand silence, silence. only Joe's dead captain dead before he tell his secret what's that you say <laughs> but before he died he spoke with his old sawbones here ah but the sawbones won't talk not to me well by thunder you'll talk to me or my name's not samuel pike
1: Okay, so, The Smugglers was written by Brian Hales, directed by Julia Smith, and produced by Innes Lloyd. It starred William Hartnell as the Doctor, Annick Wills as Polly, Michael Craze as Ben, Michael Godfrey as Captain Pike, Paul Whitson Jones as Squire, and George A. Cooper as Cherub. Uh, it was broadcast between the 10th of September and the 1st of October 1966. Viewing figures for this were 4.3 million for episode 1, 4.9 million for episode 2. Four point two for episode three and four point five for episode four. So, for this one, who's doing the defendant? Who's doing the prosecuting?
0: I think I was defending, wasn't
1: I? Uh I think so, yeah.
0: Yeah, and Dave was prosecuting. Yeah. Okay.
1: So defence, do you want to start us off?
0: Uh aye, might as well. Might as well. Right. Can, right. I so.
2: can I actually just say before I get all prosecuted on this? Mm-hmm. I watched these with headphones in on my laptop and the theme tune is immense. It's a really nice
1: version of the theme tune
0: it is uh, it, it is a really really good version I like this one I don't think it's ever
1: been topped well, Oh, apart from the Peter Davison one lots of Peter
0: Davison Peter so. Davison was amazing yeah and um, I quite like the the new ones for Jodie Whittaker they're good mm. yeah it's got a nice uh, base on it yeah and I like the I think the early Tenant ones were really good as well yeah 4 like has
1: got like a bit sort of a dynamic version of it that's yeah. practically screams Saturday night in your face yeah
0: pretty much yeah and that was, oh, I, like that. I like that yeah oh. so the theme tune is a good tune. yeah version. after that it's all downhill <laughs> oh yeah I was quite here proud of the cabin
1: completely brushed over the Peter Capaldi theme there I
0: was I, I, feel, I feel I've mentioned it enough that um, I hate the <laughs> Capaldi version because I just hate that <laughs> I just hate the cat waller <laughs> I mean, it's,
2: it, it's the 80s hair metal version of the theme tune it,
0: it's much, almost yeah. like
2: it's going to have a 15 minute synth guitar solo in it.
0: It probably does, yeah. somewhere in Newcastle. Mm. Instead of Capaldi's
1: um, face coming out of the mist, it's just Capaldi dressed in spandex and dry ice.
0: With the sunglasses on and the
1: guitar. Uh, Pierre Capaldi or the other Capaldi? Lewis Capaldi? <laughs> I feel <think, laughs> spandex. Yeah, I think you Lewis <laughs> probably either, I think I I don't think anyone really sounds <laughs> the old there. The Capaldi boys on stage together. <laughs>
0: Oh, uh, right.
1: for new anyway,
0: plant it in our heads. Shall we carry on? We'll carry on, yes. Right, so Polly uh, we'll... and Ben, Polly and Ben seem to have wandered out the TARDIS by accident, uh, and the Doctor is far from happy, but takes them anyway. It's a very trusting time. <laughs> it, it is a very trusting time. It's like getting <coughs> a, very much. I love Hartnell's sort of matter-of-factness in the in his sort of run when he's like getting going, "This is a vessel designed for travelling space and time." It's like. As if that's gonna be like that's the bombshell just to get them you know out of the way straight away. It's not as if you know it's kind of going oh yeah well we we might travel a little bit or go somewhere hmm, who knows. It's straight to the point of space and time. Now yeah we're away see ya bye bye. it's actually never nah,
2: mentioned? Yeah. <laughs> yeah the size difference never gets mentioned. Like they wander into the TARDIS they don't mention anything.
0: No it doesn't no it's right which is a bit refreshing because every other companion before and since, he's mentioned that.
1: <laughs> the obviousness
2: of That's it, a,
0: yeah. am running gas. It's very yeah. much
1: we've so, done this four times, let's just get on with it. <laughs> like, yeah, let's just get on with you know the yeah. drill uh,
0: we also get uh, The Doctor says, I can't deal with the distraction, I thought I was going to be alone again. Mm. They end up travelling somewhere they know not where, so far. And um, the Doctor locks the TARDIS. Uh, ben and Polly um, seem uh, well. They can't seem to register that they've travelled Somewhere, but then eventually they get around to the conclusion that it might be Cornwall, which is a strange conclusion to come to when you're just stuck on a yeah. sort of they, beach they've somewhere. They from but...
2: London to an unknown place and they look around and go, "Yes, yeah, Cornwall, isn't it?
0: Definitely Cornwall. It I, smells like Cornwall. How's it not Essex or
2: Kent or any yeah. of the other yeah. counties no in the Anywhere.
0: That's all we got. It's it would be Cornwall. And the doctor says, You may know where you are, but not when, which is a fair point to make. And, um they end up going up the um, cliff face to a church. And they arrive at the church, and apparently that's evidence that they're in the current time frame because um, churches seemingly didn't <laughs> exist <laughs> until
1: <laughs> And Anotor- It's a bit like, okay. A notoriously 20th century invention, the
3: church. Yeah,
0: was, yeah religion was only invented in you know, yeah, in 1962, wasn't it really? It's a fairly young thing. And they meet, a fella comes out of the uh, doorway with a gun uh, pointed at them, um, treating them with some great suspicion, and the doctor says that they are travellers looking for shelter, and um, then that gentleman comes from the 17th century, so they've obviously um, time-stamped him on whatever clothing he had and the attitudes of it. He offers around the brandy, and I've got a note here saying that nothing ever good... Comes from anyone in any program saying in good time to any request. Because <laughs> like, oh, we'd like to go to the inn, please, and say, In good time. It is a very
2: foreshadowing statement.
0: Yeah, pretty much. But you kind of think that um, that this guy is going to be the bad guy. This is Longfoot. This is Joseph Longfoot. They meet first of all. Yes. And there's always kind of like a, a sort of foreshadow that he's going to be the main bad guy because obviously he's pointing a gun at them and he's trying to shoot them. And he's a little bit and shifty and scared. A, yeah. He's a little bit shifty and scared of everything. This fella is uh, expecting Avery's boys, um, but apparently it's been uh, it's his spirit that wanders around here of old Avery who's now passed away. We're not quite sure who Avery is just yet. And it's <coughs> really, Joseph Longfoot is the church warden. There's a moment here where the doctor literally manages to do some doctoring because. Um, Joseph Longfoot has a dislocated finger which the doctor then snaps back into place post haste.
1: Yeah, without knowing that he's got a broken finger. Yeah. But a very, very, very very quick diagnosis. I'll just no, I'll just snap your finger back. I'll be totally fine. I'd want to see his What's certificates that? at this point.
0: It's obvious that uh, for speed of service he's gone booper. <laughs> and um you know, he needs it done there and then he's gonna get it done there and then. He's a busy church warden, hasn't got time for any waiting lists. Yeah. He needs that for <laughs> Longfoot advises them to Go to the inn and guard thy tongue and be careful what they're saying. And he also said this is a dead man's secret key. So they all, the doctor and Ben and Polly then disappear off to the inn. Uh, but there's a bold man in the shadows with a knife who then follows Longfoot into the into the vestry. And there's suspicion afoot. I like this intro. I like this, this couple of opening scenes. Because we've got an obvious kind of like bit of intrigue going on. Fairly quickly done. Yes. Wouldn't you say, Dave?
2: Um, Yeah, it is quite a nice intro. It's quite quick. As you say, there's a nice bit of misdirect where you think the church warden is going to be the bad guy, but then he isn't. I had to remem- remind myself a lot when I was watching it that the acting standards were different.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah.
2: Because yeah, a- the people who are acting are chewing every piece of scenery.
0: <laughs> is it not that they hadn't really worked out in this sort of Time period, how to film a television show, yeah. as opposed to filming theatre.
2: Oh yeah, and it was so, very much. Yeah. They were also all theatre actors. That's how they were trained.
0: Yeah, like exactly. You project
2: yeah. and you take up
1: the stage.
0: And so, there was wasn't really such a thing as nuance.
1: No. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, oh, at this stage, television is a relatively young medium. It's only been yes. in for twenty yeah. like odd years. and it's sort of recognizable form. Yeah,
0: exactly. And, uh,
1: yeah.
2: So you. And some of the accents, though, are atrocious.
1: <laughs> they have turned
0: the have, accents
2: all the way up to 11.
0: They have, yeah, because they have to essentially say this is Cornwall Honest Gov, and um, they really need to hammer that one home.
2: And Ben's definitely from London, and I'm not even going to try and impersonate that accent.
0: <laughs> yeah, Ben is very much um, Danny Dyer on steroids. Well, I think, I think he's like prototype um, Graham, as you know.
2: He is. Yeah. cockney wide
0: Kind of, It's the same kind of thing of him, you know, putting all the rhyme and slang into it and trying <laughs> to explain it all. It's Bradley Walsh. In <laughs> it's very, of bit, it's very, very much dialed up Cockney. Yeah. yeah.
1: Even more so through the, of course the story. Oh, yeah. yeah. But um, all the accents were
2: a bit like that. They all just got a bit too strong in places. Which is quite surprising for the BBC at the time, putting a really strong regional accents.
0: Yeah, because I'll say you would have just had the news and every program, you know, read from Queen's English, and here we are <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at yeah. Wembley, kind of thing. Back
1: um, like the Reign of Terror, which is supposedly set in uh, the middle of the French Revolution. There's a lot of very plummy French people kicking about.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: There's not really much of an attempt to, you know, put on a French accent in there. But it's just school yeah. completely completely none of them it. are even speaking in French. What's that all about? I <laughs> know.
0: What's going on there? Sure, uh,
1: is it just cancelled the series there and then. Canceled, completely unbelievable. Completely
0: unbelievable. Nay French. <laughs> um yeah. The Doctor, Polly and Ben enter the inn. Uh, they get the usual kind of glaring looks from all the locals and strangers aren't welcome here until they're told that um, the Oh, the doctor says that they've been sent by Joseph Longfoot, so therefore it's some at Oh, it's all right. Oh, that's fine. No, oh, Joe Longfoot, ah, great grand, no problem at all. Um, the doctor at this point seemingly demands food, and just like you know, yeah. practically, obviously you can't see it because it's in a still frame. But I'd imagine him banging on a table, just going, he's some scram, flicking
2: his fingers in the air.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, gas on, gas on,
1: get <laughs> <laughs> some scram. <laughs> the most notorious of all, f- the first Doctor lines. and <laughs> Scran, uh, yeah. and Scran, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Scran laddie, bring us
0: stuff. For some reason, I've got a note here that just says soggy bell bottoms, though. <laughs> no idea why. <laughs> no idea why i put that in, but never mind. i see a Doctor about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe nothing to do with the show you were watching. It was just a note you wanted to take. <laughs> yeah, it's just a note I don't want to take. Yep. The Doctor seems to be. Completely unsure what the TARDIS is doing because they do float the idea at this point of just like most people do for like Doctor Who stories is oh, why don't you just get back in the TARDIS and just go back again if it's that bad? And the Doctor has seemingly no control over what the TARDIS is doing at all yeah. at this stage. Whilst he tries to tell Ben and Polly that it's like this finely tuned machine that only he knows how to work, I he has no, no control over con- <laughs> yes. it. It's all a complete roller coaster. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a bald fella who, now we're back at the church now um, with Longfoot and a bald fella with a knife. And they seem to establish that uh, he is a former shipmate of Longfoot. And they talk about Captain Pike. And Longfoot is asked, Where is Avery's gold? And Longfoot's not giving away anything, not telling anything. But this bald fella has seen longfoot talk to the doctor and whisper something in his ear about it could be something to do with the treasure so he determined that uh, longfoot should tell him as well longfoot does tell this would-be assassin about the travelers that they've just been to visit and where they've gone uh but this fellow, who later is um known as cherub is uh, kills longfoot with a with, stabs him to death which is quite kind of graphic for a Yes. Yeah. Who
2: for Saturday evening entertainment it is meant to be educational and informative. Yeah. This is how you kill a man with a knife in the back.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of, lot of chippings that go on in a story. I mean these are all the clips that were excised uh from Australian television, that's why they still exist. Yes. That's because these were chopped out and survived in some shape or form and eventually got returned. I don't really understand their approach because some of the scenes that get chopped out are just Guys on horses. I mean, it, it what, might what have is, also been for time. Might have been for that, but I like to think there's something, you know, something deep in the Australian psyche that have really, really traumatized by livestock and horses. So, are we to take from this that all, all episodes of Black Beauty are banned from TV in Australia? Well, they should be under this day and age. <laughs> all horses, man. <matter. laughs> oh boy. But oh, yeah, there's Sam a lot. <laughs> but you're right, there is a lot of stabby action
0: that goes on. That's there is a fair bit of point moisture, stabby, be- oh, stabby yeah. A bit. Yeah,
2: I didn't think there were that many guns in the 17th century as well. But it's like everyone's got one.
0: Yeah, there's a fair bit of that as well.
1: Yeah. They're surprisingly tooled up for a bunch of fishermen, aren't they?
0: Well, it yeah. depends on how you're going fishing. You know, maybe you're just taking pot potshaw <laughs> and ah, full fishing with the dynamite.
1: dynamite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best way to catch a
0: pike with a blunderbuss. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's the it's the common way of doing it. Ben tries to stoke up conversation with anyone in the inn, but no one's really taken any notice of him. And then someone walks in and tells the uh, innkeeper that uh, the church warden is dead. And then he's advised that you best go and tell uh, your tale to the squire. Cherub catches up with the doctor, because uh, Cherub reckons that the doctor knows where the treasure is. Yep. And at this point, the Doctor is kidnapped, and slung on the back of a cart, and towed away somewhere he knows not where. Polly cries for help, in during all this, because Ben's been attacked, the Squire is on the way, and um, Cooper, who's um, the innkeeper, and the Squire um, come into the frame, and there's a bit of a kind of kangaroo court going on because the theory being that these mysterious travellers have somehow been responsible for the death of old Joe Longfoot. Uh, the Doctor ends up aboard a boat somewhere out to the uh, you know, uh, in in the bay. Ben wakes up uh, wherever they're taken. Uh, the Squire wants to know the truth because he's standing over them and he arrests Ben and Polly for the murder of Joe Longfoot. Then we get the Doctor at the end who meets the pirate uh, Samuel Pike. Sorry, the upstanding fine gentleman trader, Samuel Pike.
1: <laughs> no, yes, way dodgy, Samuel
0: in Pike. In no way dodgy, Samuel Pike. No way dodgy, Samuel Pike. Public relations wonder, Samuel Pike. So that's your end of your first episode. um That's your cliffhanger. We've been separated from Ben and Polly, separated from the Doctor, and have been charged with murder. And uh, the Doctor is meeting this strange individual uh, mysterious individual who will then take a lot more of a part in the story as it goes on. It's a very atmospheric story already. There's plenty going on and it's kind of got that build of a sort of historical swashbuckling adventure.
2: Yeah, there's a couple of problems with it. that, That might just be the way it was edited and the way we saw it but it seemed very fractured in places. We'd go somewhere for three seconds and then go back to the Doctor. We'd go see the fat bald man stab somebody and then go somewhere else after three seconds. Mm. There wasn't a lot of explanation of what was actually going on. There are a and, lot of and, fast uh, cuts
1: in it, yeah. Yeah.
2: There might have been stuff that we would have seen or they would have done a nice wipe on the screen there or something like that, but it just felt very jumpy
0: in places. It doesn't hang about, I'll give you that. There's not yeah. much wasted here. There's very much an opinion of, well, now the characters are obviously separated into two separate locations and we've got the church location as well but we're obviously coming back to that later on yeah um it 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 doesn't want to hang around and elongate anything there's a very much an element of all meanwhile back at the ranch and bouncing back and forward yeah Because a keeps a certain energy there keeps a certain energy to it and keeps you know it keeps the wheels turning on it next problem
2: how are we meant to believe that nobody realized that polly was a girl <laughs> with her yeah, high voice getting... and her long hair. It was the 60s. She... No, it wasn't. It was the 17th century. The <laughs> and she's standing next to Ben. Nobody says, Well, that boy sounds a bit foreign. I cannot make out what, what he's saying. That's obviously a girl just because she's got trousers on.
0: I would like to refer the court to the episode of Blackadder.
2: I um... uh, could also refer... If you want something that was made closer to the time, you can refer to the carry on film with Hayley Mills, which may have been set around about this time as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And even when I saw that as a child, I thought, there's no fucking way nobody can tell that's a garbage.
0: Well, yeah, I you'd think if- that, um, you think also that these sailors who've been stuck out to sea somewhere with only other sailors for company upon yeah. seeing anybody would probably in- uh, instantly identify. Yeah, yeah. I know you. Yeah, but, I can, there's no real great answer for that, but... Um, it's yeah. right problem
1: was fan theories that they're all distant relations of Strax, because they all seem very much intent in calling Polly boy.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Just tying it back.
0: I hadn't thought of that. If I you listen to Big
2: Finish, you can have that one for nothing. Yep. And also yeah. the name, Captain Pike. Now, never mind Dad's Army. <laughs> I wonder if the people that made Star Trek first wanted the name captain pike because of that because the original captain of the enterprise
0: was captain pike
2: was it yes Ah. Yeah. and the original pilot was captain pike
0: and i hold my hands up and say i know nothing about star trek
2: of course you
1: can you're a heathen and you're dead to me but you can say it does that make me dead to you too <laughs> i don't my knowledge of very my knowledge of star trek is very limited because it's in, I an inferior science education program isn't it
2: that's a very, very non-Star Trek attitude. <laughs> as a Star Trek fan, I view all Star, like, all Star fiction. Entrance in Space is perfectly valid. Everything oh, yeah. has something valid to say. But, yeah, it's, that's it struck me as quite weird that you've got Captain Pike and Star Trek that came out around about the same time. Captain Pike and this. It was just... I wondered if there was any reason that everyone was choosing Captain Pike for a name. Is it Just because a nautical kind of Fishy name, and Captain Carp sounded daft. <laughs> and Birdseye was taken.
0: <laughs> yeah, Captain had it. Oh no! Wait a minute. <laughs> Somewhere in Belgium. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. Captain Sturgeon. Captain Salmon. Yep. Sorry.
1: <laughs> So I just go and get my big book of fish and we'll run through them all
0: <laughs> have you <laughs> so got you go a big book of fish started. oh I have that. oh brilliant captain captain goldfish captain <laughs> yeah. carp
2: he says he's got a big book of fish it's really just Marillion's greatest hits
3: <laughs> hey
1: <laughs> captain Cayley, <Kayleigh>, yeah uh. <laughs>
0: um, are we on episode 2 I think, oh, yeah, Paul, I think we should move on to it yeah. yeah 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 Yeah. probably uh, your skins
3: they're all in poor. Shake her Johnny Shaker and it's wet and drafty around Cape Horn. shake Shaker and we'll wake her. So rouse her up from down below. Shake her Johnny Shaker And haul away for your uncle Joe. Shaker and we'll wake um, her. Um
0: the doctor is confronted by Pike. <laughs> um and we learn that all of these men served under Captain Avery before. This, the ship they're on was Captain Avery. And um, he hid some treasure and uh, Longfoot seems to have taken it somewhere. Longfoot took the plunder and has hidden it somewhere and they want it back. So already we've established there's a MacGuffin at work here. There's the yeah. thing that everyone's going to be after. Yes. Which is quite a good thing to establish because this gives it some sort of purpose as why these characters are doing what they do. Uh, we get Pike asking the fantastic question of the Doctor, are you saw bones? Which I thought was quite good. And he's like, yeah. no, I prefer the proper medical term of a doctor. Uh, ben can't go back to a 17th century Navy, he says. Doesn't even try. And Tom then comes to check on them. Tom's the guy that they've put in the prison to watch over them. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not to speak with you murderers! And then they've Ben and Polly work out in the 17th century they still believe in witches. So there's probably a way that they could... Um, exercise a kind of plan here to get out if they manage to con Tom into thinking that something paranormal is afoot.
2: Yeah, and I'll be honest, if, if I was a woman and I was magically transported back to the 17th century, the last thing that would be on my plan list was, let's make them think I'm a witch. <laughs> wench.
0: Well. History does not treat such things kindly, yes. But that would be a completely different story, and I don't think there was many witch burnings in Cornwall.
1: Even still, as escape plans go, it's a risky one. Yeah.
0: It's it has an element of being somewhat misunderstood and backfiring, yes. Yes. But a like good job of my jokes. Like yeah. So the doctor's to get around. Meanwhile, they're trying to escape. Ben and Polly are trying to escape the prison. The doctor's trying to get off the ship. But this is probably one of the best scenes we've got so far, in that the Doctor doesn't use any kind of sort of, well obviously we're a bit before the Sonic Screwdriver, and he doesn't use any kind of gadgetry or any kind of, he's just, escapes the situation by just using his guile. And effectively try to butter Pike up a bit, um, by you know calling him a gentleman and you know the doctor tries to get around pipe by telling me he's a gentleman eventually the doctor is allowed to sit down and that's a good scene because the doctor is getting by with words and yes. his intellect, rather than any kind of force or any kind of just like oh he just waves his sonic and that's it
2: that's a pretty how you've gone there captain where did you get that <laughs> well, hey you must have been a nice man that bought that for you why don't you get my tardis
1: i've got some jelly babies <laughs> <laughs> The box would like to remind everybody should never accept sweets from strangers. See,
2: I asked the boy in my notes, the Doctor starts to negotiate with the pirate captain. Starts flirting with him. Because it is
1: really quite friendly. There is a bit, yeah. Is it at this point the Doctor gets threatened with a taste of Thomas Tickler?
0: I'm not aware of that. There <laughs> is it definitely what a point. What edit life? were you watching?
1: <laughs> There's definitely a point where Cherub uh, threatens the Doctor with a taste of Thomas Tickler. I don't know what that is. I mean, it's all lads out at a lonely sea, but, you know, I think I kept, it, expect, I kept expecting not- Ken Dodd to turn up at that point. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, how will tickle I am to be in the high seas for a perfect day to offer the, do- the Doctor's back passage for the little Thomas Tickler. You
0: would have to, what he you would have to wait for about 20 years for that?
1: Oh, eh? So <laughs> many roles that Ken Dodd could have just easily <laughs> have stepped into in a Doctor Yeah, that
0: would have brought... Pyramids of Mars down a bit I think yeah. <laughs> I'm just imagining him in Pyramids of Mars but instead of mummies it's the di- it's the Diddy Man. <laughs> <laughs> and the, di- the Diddy men are trying to crush that gamekeeper to death <laughs> oh. if you
1: could just kneel down a bit further a little bit uh, yeah. more just, a little just
0: bit crouch more. down just crouch down while we just try and crush it I'll take up to well, be uh, murdering my
1: own brother Whoa.
2: There is probably an alternate universe where Ken Dodd was the doctor and Benny Hill was the master. I,
0: I, I don't really want to live in that. Can you imagine?
2: Yes, I can.
0: Um, you are, yeah. We get a nice little bit of um, casual 1960s racism next. In the it's black a really
1: horrible episode, yeah.
0: Well, yeah. The, the black dude is called Jamaica. No, she went all by herself. Yeah. <laughs> um, It's not subtle, so y- is it? No, it's, it's really? not really subtle, to um, be honest. Um,
3: okay.
2: But times haven't changed. Because I saw a Santander advert on my television tonight. Where it's Ant and Dec doing their usual aren't we cheeky normal lads. No, let's chat to one of our friends. Let's phone up our black mate, Rashford. Let's <laughs> play on a Santander advert, they phone up oh. their black mate, Rashford. So, the lazy media times haven't changed. It's just they're a bit more subtle with it now.
0: More subtle with it now, alright, right. Um, It was suggested, and I can't remember who, when I told this about it, it might have been one of you two, when I was speaking to you about it, that Jamaica, he was called Jamaica because that's where they picked him up from. That would make sense. Was this you yeah. two, was either of you telling me this? I don't think so. It wasn't no, me. I read
1: it a bit, was here.
2: If it's, it so. two,
0: if it's not either of you, it's not either of you two, then it might have been clear. I think it was clear. Well, um, how many people does anyone speak to at the moment?
1: Uh, well, yeah.
2: If it wasn't uh, you two, uh, it was my wife. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, right.
0: uh, What's more, that's man, that's he can't
1: it. tell us apart
2: from his own wife.
0: <laughs> I was, was going to say it's not often that's happened. Trust me. Um,
2: <laughs> Just that once, and you did apologise to me.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, it was a misunderstanding, Dave. You know, we yeah. all. We you know we we just went about our own ways and just promised we'd never speak of it again. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was what I thought. But you know, you're not gonna get like. A, you're telling me that the whole cruise, you know, well, there's Jamaica and there's West Indies. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> and I just was like, yeah, it's it's a fairly logical explanation, but in order to do that, you'd have to go down the whole crew as to where they picked them up. And what if they picked yeah. up more than one person in one place? But well, what
2: about he's over there speaking of Peterborough?
1: You know, <laughs> <laughs> here's our
0: newest slave,
1: Bishop Briggs.
0: <laughs> yeah, so Ben calls in Tom and Polly is moving moaning under some straw. He says he's been taken by the spirit of his master. Tom is now absolutely petrified and is told that the spell is only going to get lifted if they're free and they, you know they're not prisoners anymore. So um, Polly and Ben manage to get out that way and they decide to go to the church. Um, back to where they came from. Cherub greets Cooper. Cooper was the innkeeper, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Um, right. And then Cooper passes a coin at Cherub's hand to, so it enables him to meet Pike. Cooper's got a bit of an idea here. And you're starting to work out that everyone's trying to get in on this gold. Everyone wants yeah. either a cut of it. I think even the Doctor has managed to negotiate a cut. He <laughs> has by the
2: end, yes.
0: Yeah. Pike is disgusted at this very allegation that he could possibly be um, open to bribery and corruption. He's like, I keep a law-abiding ship here.
2: Yeah, and a clean one, despite the fact that some just spat on the deck.
0: Yeah, you know, hygiene.
2: That's apart of. from the phlegm.
0: Apart from the phlegm on the ground, yeah. So Cherub grabs Cooper, and uh, Cooper wants them to join him with the squire and uh, get this smuggling deal on the go. Uh, there's a bit of shady business going on here, obviously. The Doctor is ushered in back at the scene by Jamaica. And he's uh, Jamaica's handed a uh, cat-of-nine-tails just to make sure that the Doctor and Cooper are um, kept uh, in check and don't escape anywhere. Meanwhile, Ben and Polly investigate the church. There's a door in the background of the uh, crypt that uh, suddenly opens. And a fella steps through. And Ben manages to knock him out. Ben's quite handy with his fists in this.
2: With a, yeah, before he's actually spoken to people, he's just knocking fuck out. Yeah, he's just, just
0: very much a kind of London innit. Yeah. We'll, we'll just,
2: go up to the church and get help. All right, first person you see, knock
1: fuck out of them.
0: No, it might have yeah. So um,
1: he's quite they, handy with his fists in the war machines as well. That's so you know, it's itching to get into a scrap most of the time.
0: Yeah, he seems to be a bit sort of um, wild in the aisles, does not he? Really. But, um, yeah, he's um so best part from of That one,
2: th- I shall call him Benny Encel. I think that's why he's so violent.
0: He <laughs> should calm that dude. Yeah. Too busy pretending that Polly's a boy. Anyway, they seem to automatically assume they've got the murderer just because someone turns up on a crime scene again. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, they've got the gas wrong there. Let's use that on somebody else. <laughs> yeah, he'll be fine. Uh, what they don't realise is that they've tied up the revenue officer. The officer is trying to chase down the smugglers because he knows that there's a smugglers' ring um, here. And that's the moment where apparently the tunnel, they discover that the tunnel leads down to the beach, which is, down, funnily enough, directly where the TARDIS is. <laughs> so, just for ease of use later on. Pike and Cherub, uh visit the Squire and uh, the squire comes to the conclusion that, oh, you must be honest merchants. They're all drinking brandy, which Cherub manages to down in a one-off, much to the squire's part disgust. They're told to drop off the goods at the church, you know, because there's a shady deal going on that, you know, they can... uh, The squire's in on it, basically. Yeah. And uh, he's not quite the law-upholding person that he seems to have been. Polly suddenly breaks into this meeting, which is a bit of a shock to the squire, seeing as the last time he saw them he thought he was in prison. And uh, Polly sees Cherub, and then says, "You're the one who kidnapped the Doctor." So yeah. there's this sudden it's, kind of like. This is, scene. It is the Scooby Doo scene.
2: They're all pointing each other.
0: <laughs> yes, they're all bursting pointing at each other. But it's a bit. There's a bit of intrigue going on here. It's 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 kind of. It's very much upheld by who trusts who, and the slight element of human greed creeping in that ruins all this trust in the end, anyway. Yeah.
2: This is one of the scenes that would have been quite actually nice to see.
0: Yeah, I thought that as well. This would have been a lot better how, you know, acted out fully, kind of thing. With faces and movement. With faces and movement and, uh, you know, stage actions and all that kind of stuff. That would be great. Cooper and the Doctor want to escape the ship. Because Cooper tells the Doctor that uh, Captain Pike will essentially just burn the whole town down yeah. yeah just the treasure just to get his hands on it so he the doctor then realizes that something there's going to be a disaster that's going to happen if he doesn't intervene somehow in this did yeah it, did,
2: did, did, it's basically the captain pike will just burn the village anyway even if he finds the treasure
0: he seems like kind of guy that would you're discovering yeah. more about his character and he's not like the honest and upstanding citizen that you know we maybe thought he was before
2: He's yeah, not even the honest and upstanding Captain Jack Sparrow type of pirate. He's an actual pirate.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, we just have to nail down his badass credentials here, don't we? Mm. Yep. He's
0: a he's 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 the Kaiser Sausage of this entire story. But only yeah. we know who he is.
2: And he <laughs> is much more aggressive and violent as a threat than he actually is in person. Because in person he is a bit foppish and dandyish. Yeah. Are, are, in the early scene, when the Doctor and Pike are talking at the start of this episode, it got a bit pantomime for me. Because it was very much the chunky boy, whose name I can't remember, because I think of him
1: as
3: bad uh, that Manners.
2: Ch-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't just me that got Buster Blood yeah. Vessel vibes off That'll be I've got Bad Manners and Captain Hook. <laughs> <laughs> or the guy off the McCune's export guns.
2: So yeah, the early scene with him, it felt quite pantomime-y to me, like, ooh, he's going to stab you! But, and I think that the pirate captain...
0: has What pantomime to contains that line? <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: hey, hey, kids! You've not boys and girls. school
2: play, alright? School plays around here can get vicious. Well, what do you think, boys and girls? Shall I
1: slash his face? <laughs> <Whey>! <laughs> Look out, John Barrowman's behind you. <laughs> and he's got a tickling stick.
0: Tickling Tom. For the third time this evening I'll just put my head in my hands and go, Jesus. Oh
1: That's a that's a human centipede from hell, isn't it? <laughs> William Hartnot at the front, John Barrowman in the middle, Ken Dodd at the back.
0: You kind of infer there's a human centipede from heaven by that rationale. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Let's not even think about what we're going to
1: do. Oh, your faces are telling me that you're already thinking about it.
2: I'm trying really hard not to. The human centipede spots by the police box.
0: <laughs> oh boy. Meanwhile, Cherub and Pike uh, try to defend themselves against Polly's accus- uh, uh, accusations. And in the process of this, Polly's captured again. Ben finds the tunnel that leads down <laughs> to TARDIS and they turn up in the crypt and find the squire turns up to find Ben gunpointed and have we'll, we'll have no more tricks this time mm. and that's your end of episode 2 yes which is each character's serving a purpose in this there's a drive for everyone you know there's no one really sort of wasted so no. far no everyone's
2: and, um, got a part to play
0: yep and we've set up the ending quite well. i say we've, we now know that the tunnel leads down to the TARDIS, so that's obviously going to be an escape route in the future. We're kind of setting up that the Squire's not quite the upstanding citizen we maybe thought he was. Pike, also as we said, his reputation is maybe slightly stronger than his actual actions. It's that's what I like about this. It's it's tightly woven together. There's not uh, much there's not much waste in this.
2: It's starting to get quite heisty. It's got very double-cross and triple-cross, and yeah. who's going to work with who, and it's that, that would probably be, again, easier to follow if we had the actual video.
0: Okay. Yeah, exactly, yeah.
2: But with this, you can kind of tell where it's going to go, and you can guess who's going to double-cross who, because mm. pretty much everyone's just out for themselves.
0: As we see at the end, it's that's going to be pretty much everyone's downfall.
2: Yeah. Well, pretty much everyone's dead by the end.
0: Pretty much. Maybe Jake yeah. like would wrote this.
2: It's, it's pantomime-y, and it's heisty. And I mean that in both the good ways and the bad ways.
0: Hmm. There's nothing wrong with the heisty pantomime.
2: It's, it's hard to take the heist bit seriously, because you know everyone's going to double-cross each other with five minutes to go at the end anyway. So yeah. you don't actually believe any of the teaming up yet.
0: No, these are fractious relationships at best, I think.
2: And it's hard to believe the threats of violence, because... You know that everyone's gonna be around at the end to double cross each other as well. So to an extent you could completely skip over part three, just go straight to the last minute ten
1: minutes of part four. I'm not so sure about that, because given that there's been a bit two three knifings at this point, I don't think anybody's particularly safe really early.
2: Yeah, but the people that have been knifed are largely Mr. X position at the start. <laughs> and that's his, it so far
0: his death kind of kicks off the whole thing though
2: yeah,
0: yeah he, so that needs to happen
2: it's the exposition death at the start They're all the victim of the exposition wars those don't really count
0: another one god bless Longfoot he served well for all of the five minutes he was in
2: yeah
3: <laughs>
0: he was in like two scenes and then he got stabbed yep we'll just have the names of all the people that died in the exposition wars like scrolling up the screen like hand <laughs> <laughs> order.
1: Oh, don't start me on canon fodder. <laughs> <laughs> there's a YouTube special, just some really mournful music with the names scrolling up over the black screen.
0: Just with the, you know, right at the bottom, Adric, thank God. Ken Dodds. Ken I wonder if there's a
2: list anywhere of everyone that died in an episode of Doctor Who. Like, every episode just in a list. Ooh, that's a point. Everyone that's dead. Like, all the characters that have died on screen.
0: Were they not watching all the episodes in order for Doctor Who magazine? They were keeping a count of who got captured and who died. There is some sort of body count, yeah. Yeah. So they were... Um, a little... I can't remember what number they were up to. Yeah. I can't remember what episode they were up to when I last bought Doctor Who magazine.
1: Well, that's what I was wondering. Does it carry on into the new series, or did it just I think stop?
0: it does. You know, that was the idea. They were, gonna, uh, they were still in the classics when I last read it. But there's like a kind of, kind of revolving cast of people watching episodes of Doctor Who and then they were keeping... It was people who got captured somehow, and people who died. And they were keeping a tally count of all of them. Right. I don't know if there's anyone in Doctor Who that dies whilst they're incarcerated, but I don't know if that counts as two. I don't Actually, I think anyone.
1: Yeah. Given the amount of imprisonings that happen in Doctor Who, there's bound to be
0: somewhere down the line that someone someone dies whilst in jail... If Doctor Who, Doctor Who, and the death of police custody. <laughs> <laughs> Target novelisation <comes laughs> starring Jamaica. <laughs> Doctor Who and the
1: police brutality.
0: Yep. <sighs> anyway, are we on for episode three, or are we taking a break halfway through?
1: I think we'll we take a break. And come back for episodes three and four. I think yeah, we we'll do that. All right, what's it up.
0: I've forgotten the name of the revenue guy. Is it Blake? Blake. Blake. That's the one. I'll put a little note on there. I'm sure I've probably got it somewhere.
2: Blake the tax man. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. That's the fella. There's another Ken Dodd reference. Um, <laughs> Ken Dodd couldn't have appeared in this episode. <laughs> bring him up in hives. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I'm just hiding all my earnings in this gravestone.
3: <laughs> I didn't know You'll he
0: was Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> Liverpool, Welsh, same thing. Yeah. Uh, Episode three. Right. Um the squire is in the crypt with um, the detained revenue officer Blake. And um, the Squire motions to Pike to suggest that they take Ben and Polly as prisoners. And then he says, uh, take my pistol for their wily knaves. Uh, meanwhile, back aboard the boat, the Doctor is playing cards with Cooper. And it's descends into some sort of weird tarot reading. We're once again playing on the fact that it was superstitious times. Yeah,
1: but it, it's like a mystic and, Madame Doctor fortune teller extraordinaire here, aren't we?
0: Exactly, yeah. At no point does he say cross his palms with silver. Which, yeah. By the fact he's, he's negotiated an entire quarter of a treasure haul, <laughs> or do you think he would? But anyway, so they're gonna the, the idea is they're gonna tell the fortune for Jamaica. Yeah. And as soon as he starts to take an interest in this, they once again it's I think it's Cupid, isn't it, that knocks him out?
1: That's right. Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: There's an awful lot of knocking people out with one fell swoop in this. Story, but there you go. It uh,
2: is quite impressive. And
0: with that, the Cupid and the Doctor can leave the boat, and they're off to find the Squire, thinking that it'll be a good idea to involve, you know, him in his legal capacity. Yeah. Meanwhile, outside the church, the Squire moves a gravestone to reveal an absolute ton of contraband that's hidden there, and uh, Pike gets a good look at this. Uh, but apparently they're to leave the goods on the beach when Pike and his men bring them in. But Pike asks about payment, but he's kind of brushed off a little bit. He's like, oh yeah, you'll get that eventually. Yeah, it'll be fine. Don't you worry. Yeah.
2: Um, There's a few scenes where it's like, yes, you'll get what you deserve. Yes. yes
0: you'll get yours. I, I think three um, or
2: four people get assay to them in this.
0: Yeah. But at least no one is um, responds with, all in good time.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Cause I don't think there's anything more ominous so Blake is leading Ben and Polly away to the inn and once he gets the inn, he unties them and he says that he actually trusts them and he thinks that the squire might be involved in the smuggling ring but has no evidence of such a thing and then the doctor pitches up they've worked out during this scene that Cooper is in with the squire so therefore all is not well uh, and this is the point where Cooper whips out a pistol and then threatens them but then runs away Blake tries to follow him, but I don't think much comes of it. Uh,
2: uh, it turns around and shoots him, and keeps running. No, I think he's still around one that.
0: shot in it.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's another one of those quick hit cuts. Yeah, they, they go to the outside, he shoots at him, they go back inside. We don't have to see or hear if there's any follow-up to that.
0: No, but I think we can safely assume that uh, Blake's okay and it didn't hit him at all. Yeah. Back on the ship, Jamaica is explaining um, how the Doctor and Cupid escaped to Captain Pike. There's a bit of white on black violence. You know. I've
2: actually written in my notes Jamaica gets a slapping for being stupid. But she kind of does. Because he kind of deserves it.
0: Well, yeah. uh, Jamaica says that they were going to go and see the Squire and. Captain Pike says that me and a cherub will go and seek Avery's gold and then Jamaica is killed rather unceremoniously he ends up Hmm. dead on the deck
2: yeah Um, Jamaica is dead now but he's won a doily (laughs) (laughs) slightly soiled for a pirate captain he's got a lot of lace I'll be honest
0: it's very much
2: Robert De Niro in Stardust
0: uh yeah, actually yes
2: yeah. <laughs> there's an element of that, yeah, you're right. The, it's very much Prince Charming. He uh, is the BBC's costume department going, This man's a captain So we'll make man. him
0: flouncy. <laughs> <laughs> flouncy and he will lovely, lovely, lovely.
2: Richard, um, bring in the race bring in the lace, please. You know what it actually is? It's Kevin Rowland from Dexy's Midnight Runners meets <laughs> they It's supposed to just smash
1: together. lots of lace, a cutlass a donkey jacket on top of some dungarees yes Yeah. it's a bold look
0: Yeah. where are we? Uh, The Doctor knows that Blake will be burning the village down Uh, Blake wants to gather men to fight the smugglers and Ben then tells the Doctor that the cave that they found leads back to the TARDIS and once again we come up with this scene with the whole thing of well why don't we just bugger off because we can just go down that tunnel and just (laughs) disappear off and then and this is probably the first time that I'm aware of that the Doctor doesn't just explain it away with like, oh, but time, points in time have to happen and blah, 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 blah. He actually says, ah, oh, but it's morally responsible to stay here and sort this. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: There's no yeah. kind of like time travel excuse given.
1: Oh, if it was a responsibility to the village at this point, yeah. doesn't it? That, yeah. Should they come under attack that he should be the one there, be there to protect them.
0: Yeah. That if, if anything happened and the village was to burn and people were to die then he'd be responsible for having done nothing. <laughs> Basically. So so the doctor has a plan to find the treasure first. So once again we're starting to whole thing with the, the, the this MacGuffin that everyone's yeah. after. This is working quite well and slowly everyone's paths are kinda of leading towards it. Cooper arrives at the Squire's house. Squire now reckons that he's been duped by Pike during all of this and they want to lay a trap for Pike and his men and apparently it's nothing that 20 hidden muskets won't sort oh yeah got here this the only in amongst all this though the major thing that it all hinges on is the fact that only the doctor really knows the secret of where the gold is yeah so no one else everyone else is kind of just fumbling around in the dark here but the doctor's the one that actually knows what's where it might be.
2: Well, they, um, they know it's in the church so eventually they could dig up all of the church and find it. Yeah. But it is very much that they're thinking, well, we'll go and find the gold first. Alright, but where are you going to go find it? It's over there somewhere. It's not exactly well-defined plans.
0: No, but there's a bit of a riddle to come. Yeah. And a bit of a mystery. Ben and Polly and the Doctor are in the churchyard and they needn't... Uh, well, this is the bit where the riddle it happens, actually. Uh, there's an ass at the riddle in the crypt somewhere and I've got down here the doctor has shown the passage I assure you that's the one that leads down to the uh, down he's to shown, the shore he's shown the back passage
1: <laughs> is Tickler Thomas there? <laughs> Tickler Thomas, yeah Ben flashes the back uh, passage to the doctor yeah. <laughs> well he is in the navy after all
0: um, long lonely well, nights at sea Cooper and the squire arrive, and then consider what their next move might be, uh, there's a worry that um, anyone inside the crypt might be armed. Because everyone is. Everyone must be, yeah. But before the Doctor um, has a chance to solve the riddle, the squire and Cooper interrupt proceedings, and then at the end of this episode, Cherub arrives out of nowhere and ends up killing Cooper. Yeah. So we can add Cooper to the body count. Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah he quietly just blades him in the back. like A, proper, a little bit, I yeah. Would.
0: Yeah, so we've got this, you know, uh, Q- uh, Cherub has a pretty much a bit of a badass reputation throughout this entire story. Yes. Being yeah, well, as
2: he the second be. killing he's done.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's him killing Longfoot has kicked the whole thing off, arguably. Yes.
1: It's a fairly brutal laughing of Cooper as well. I mean, it don't really hold back with this one, do they? Not really, but
2: no. It's a good scream, he does. It's a very full throw <laughs> yeah. he eats. Ah! it's good
1: right from the diaphragm
2: yeah, just like he was taught at Radha
1: <laughs> and his RP accent
0: Emphasize, <laughs> emphasised emphasis. so yeah, we're getting more intrigue, obviously characters are starting to fall by the wayside, you know, by dying once again, it's the Doctor that this is all hinging on, we're all starting to come round to um, the Doctor's knowledge of the situation and how he's going to solve it
2: yeah, there, there's a lot of again heistiness and double crossing. Oh
0: yeah, it's when, like the opening. It's like the opening scene of Dark Knight Rises here. Yes. Yeah. the Dark Knight Returns. Whatever one the Joker's in. Uh,
2: that's Returns.
0: The middle one. I think. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think it's Returns because the first one's turned, the Dark Knight. Yeah. There's the Dark Knight, then there's Dark Knight Returns, then the Dark Knight Rises
0: when he comes back. I think. Yes. Yes. Aye, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we're, yeah. well, you know the one I mean. We'll stop talking about Chris Nolan's Batman movie. <laughs> yeah. In the middle of a Doctor Who podcast. <laughs> yeah,
1: let's, let's get back to Postman Pat.
2: Yeah,
0: let's so, get yeah. back to Postman Pat and his accuser days.
2: Bane has thrown the knife out of the back of Cooper, right? No, no, wait, wait, wait. That's <laughs> a...
1: <laughs> Mrs. Higgins slowly sneaks up behind the pirate and knifes him in the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: But then Fireman Sam turns up because he knows where the gold is. (laughs) Uh, Surely Dora would know where the gold is because she's the explorer.
0: She is the explorer, yeah. Pretty much. Can we find a way of um, putting Mr. Spoon into this and just blaming him? (laughs) I feel we should. Born Mr. Spoon. (laughs) Dodgy bugger that he is. Are we ready for episode four?
1: (laughs) I think we should, yeah.
0: Can I just say, before we move on,
2: that one of my favourite ever usernames on a forum online was IExploredDora. I thought that was a great username. What forum was that? (laughs) I don't want to know. Uh, I guess we don't pry too much here, Garen. I think it was whole submarine wargame forum. Alright,
0: okay. That's okay. That's (laughs) alright. Yeah, that's totally fine that's totally fine yeah well it's, oh, let's face it okay. it's, it's one of the one of the better things you could have come up with yeah what are, what are they talking about violating a beloved children's character here? yeah that's but thing. you know anyway um, episode four <laughs> episode four yeah
3: Uh
0: Cherub shoots the squire too. So the squire's now got an injury. Um, Cherub also wants to find out Longfoot's secret. And uh, Cherub ends up grabbing Polly so that the doctor will talk. And we learn that there are four names for Avery's gold. Yeah. So we've established that Cherub has pretty much gone rogue now. He's on his own. He wants part of this and then to bugger off with it and ignore the rest of his crew. Um, Pike's men arrive on the beach and they end up going to the churchyard and then Pike opens up the tomb and they find all the loot and uh, Pike tells them to leave it on the beach and then um, Pike ends up heading off towards the vestry uh, wondering where Cherub is.
2: Yeah, Pike doesn't seem to trust his men, but with Cherub, you can see why. Yeah. He tells them to take it to the beach, but don't take it back to the boat yet. Because he knows they'll just go back to the boat and get pissed.
0: (laughs) Pretty much. Well, funnily enough, they're not going to even bother going back to the boat before getting pissed. Yeah. So, yeah, Pike enters the crypt, uh, realises Cherub was going to find the treasure himself. So now we get Pike and Cherub confronting each other. Uh, Meanwhile, outside, Pike's men have started drinking the fight breaks out between Pike and Cherub Pike starts winning um, Cherub fires a pistol at Pike but misses and amongst all this I've got Ben and Polly escape for about yeah. what feels like the third time in this episode or this story rather Cherub throws the knife at Pike but misses again so just when he's trying to you know when it matters the most <laughs> yeah. Cherub suddenly his aim lets him down you can't hit anyone in the front that's no the problem. He's rolling ones completely. It's yeah. the
2: eyes that put him off. He's I much so.
0: at the back. Yep. And then Pike ends up killing Cherub. So just to add to the body count...
2: Oh, that makes it two all. Because Cherub's killed two and now Pike's killed two. Yep.
0: We're going at an extra time.
1: Yeah, and then a penalty stab out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is what happens in some parts of Edinburgh here.
1: <laughs> it's def- yeah. definitely sudden death, at least.
0: <laughs> yeah, <it's> exactly. <laughs> so the... Doctor then wants to keep his side of the bargain, he tells them. So the pirates on the beach find the TARDIS, but um, obviously they don't have a clue what the hell it is. Yeah, so they just um, ignore it and go past. Yeah, pretty much. So it's just this, but I suppose we're a bit early for perception filters and the like, aren't we?
1: It does seem often curious of them that they should stumble across this strange object that might be valuable and not take it to try and sell on later.
0: Not try and lift it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we we'll, we'll
1: just walk past it,
0: yeah. Yeah, you know, it'll be fine. Um, uh, the Doctor then tries to bargain with Pike, telling him that he can keep the gold as long as he leaves the village alone. Yeah. So the irony here is the Doctor's the one who has the clearest idea where the gold is, but he's probably the one that's least interested in it. So, meanwhile, let's say the Squire's kind of got a gunshot wound on the floor. So the Squire does manage to say, this fellow's generosity has truly shamed me. And then they are going to show Pike the gold. Polly and Ben, meanwhile, are in the cave and being typically the fact that she's a woman in a 1960s TV show she can't (laughs) run properly and ends up busting her ankle while stumbling around in the cave so the idea is that Polly's just going to sit tight in the cave for a while while Ben goes back and gets the Doctor
1: And that completes Um, a house card on companion bingo Yes. Imprisonment, bound and gagged taken against your will sprained sprained ankle Congratulations, you are now a Doctor Who companion
0: yeah. It's only Welcome taken the, <laughs> uh, the doctor works out that the names in the riddle are former crew members of Avery, so you've got to kind of go around the graves and work out, you know, what position it is. Yeah. And they find that the flagstones are at the exact sort of encompassing point between all four tombstones. Pike removes the uh, tombstone. There's a bit of a moat where it's like, oh, there's nothing there, and it's like, oh, look a bit deeper. Oh, it's there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So there's a bit of like, oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. Oh, yeah, I made it always. Um,
2: I've, I've dug for a buried treasure, but I haven't found any. Uh you no. try taking a bit more. Good a, plan. Take a bit more. <laughs> Fiend um, captain that you are. ER.
0: There's um, noise from outside as Pike goes in to investigate. And Blake's men have attacked the drunk pirates outside. Because obviously it'd be quite easy. So they've turned up. So there's a bit of a battle going on outside, and this is the sort of final combination of Pike's sort of quite a literal descent into all this.
2: Yeah. What do you do with the drunken sailor? Shoot him in the face. Apparently.
0: <laughs> apparently so. Yeah. Um, the the pirates find Polly. Um, there's a couple of pirates find Polly. One holds her while the other goes up to the tunnel only to be knocked out again by Ben. <laughs> Once again, like, let's just punch someone. One
2: goes no, up the like... tunnel while the other one gets punched by Ben. <laughs> Alright then
0: <laughs> That's them forums you're on, Dave.
1: Yes. Up to Polly's tunnel. <laughs> Never mind postman Pat, that's a new episode title. <laughs> <laughs> up Polly's Tunnel. So Total, totally better I've better put up a tweet for this episode going out know, totally tagging Anik Bulk's in it. I'm sure <laughs> she'll see the funny side.
0: Oh yeah, it'll be fun. No problem at all. Just like Katie. Once just our like cares, it's given explained it to him. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um <laughs> The other pirates have fallen back into the crypt and um oh wait, sorry, I've got Blake's men into the cave and Blake shoots the other pirate. So there's two pirates don't even get names. One of them yep. gets shot. One of them just dead. Yeah. Just um, we'll just add to the body count here as well. Uh, the other pirates have fallen back at the crypt because the battle continues on. Uh, Pike tries to get away, but Blake emerges from the doorway. Uh, the Doctor has to help the Squire out as well. The Squire grabs Pike, which allows Blake to shoot him. So now Pike's yeah. dead, completely. And Ben it's and the Doctor. It's really cold. Hear. It is. There's a there's a kind of like this aftermath of absolute chaos and despair. The, the doctor, despite having been all the way through this, kind of going, oh no, we won't, uh, we won't leave. It's morally right that we stay and sort this. As soon as like there's just folk dying on the ground and everyone's pretty much gone, it's like, oh, all right, all right, we'll, we'll but, go and have a think. They
2: think Ben and Polly might have killed somebody, so they hold them and wait for the forces of law and order to arrive. Yeah. Oh, but they think this tax man might be evil, so they hold them for the law and forces, like orders of law and forces to arrive. All of a sudden, they've got this pirate. So tell you what, you hold them, I'll shoot him in the face. Fuck. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it goes and the a bit the I people feel like they're doing that are them.
2: the forces of law and order. It's the squire and the taxman. The taxman <laughs> yes. holds him, the local squire shoots him. There's nothing wrong with occasionally going a little bit judge dread. <laughs> no, there's not. And I like both versions of that film.
0: Never <laughs> mind the comics. It's like graphic novels. Even the Sylvester McCoy one. Is that what you mean Both <laughs> versions. Sylvester is- Stallone. Not McCoy.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Can you imagine what Rocky would have
3: been like? (laughs) His name is Sylvester. He's the star of a new film called Rocky. He's been described as tough, handsome, talented, sexy, sensitive, dynamic, brilliant. He's been compared to Nicholson, De Niro and Brando. He's the man who could be loved by only one woman because somehow she gets beneath the pain. He's every nobody who ever needed somebody.
2: Mr. McCoy, I am the law. Mm. I am the law.
3: That would have so been Mr. McCoy
1: is Rambo. First blood. <laughs> oh, <laughs>
3: no. so, yes. what I...
0: Can you imagine the poster? They'd have to widen it because it would have been <laughs> Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That is one of the best Freudians ever. Mm. <laughs> um. Yeah, anyway, so... Back on the TARDIS, and Polly just kind of like nonchalantly says, "So they're all dead then?" Yeah. Uh, And (laughs) then that's it. There's, there's, it kind of does end slightly abruptly. This story, I have to admit, there's not. You don't get that usual kind of scene of, you know, either Blake or the Squire with his arm in a sling, saying, "You sure you won't stay for some wine and cheese, Doctor?" it's like no we must be on our way um, I know not where but we shall have to depart oh well yeah. if you ever happen to be in Cornwall again then please let us know okay and off they go to the TARDIS and it disappears and Blake and the Squire will just look at each other and go bye jove or something like that and then yeah. what an unusual contraption um, he's no sailor um, so yeah and then it's um, it, it kind of there's that in you don't get that scene which you'll obviously get in a load of other later Doctor Who stories, that always has to be the scene of saying bye bye to the Doctor.
2: Uh, it's the kind of thing you get in a lot of programmes. You always expect that scene where it's the job's done, let's take a breather before we move on to the next one.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's kinda the, there. It's kinda the equivalent of the Saturday morning cartoon scene where they all gather round and go, Well that solves that. Ha 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 and whatever cartoon animal they've got will like trip over <laughs> or something. Yeah.
2: G. I. Joe says knowing is half the battle and that kind of shit. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's what like what would be an- learned
1: from today's story.
0: Yeah. It's,
1: it's like the moral at the end of the hurricanes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's always the it's it's always the thundercats they met along the way. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Aye. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's <laughs> That's another forum Dave's so. on. Oh.
1: Okay. Before this turns really dark, I we get into more Dora Explorer territory? Should we just uh, go straight to the closing statements? Mm,
0: Let's Dora. go to the closing statements.
1: <laughs> Cameron, case for the defence. Wrap it up.
0: Right. Okay. The smugglers is a simple tale, told very well. There are some structural things like the MacGuffin being part of the treasure and all this kind of stuff that we've kind of now consider maybe a little bit sort of done in and passe, but back then they would have been sort of fresh ideas and this would have been the structure we were going for. Um, It's a great example of the perils of human greed because all the characters want this object, but they're pretty much undone by their own distrust and greed. It's a wonderful little story based around that idea. Um, The Doctor is able to have an example of working out a situation getting his own way just by his sheer guile and ability to talk as a bit of a situation rather than any kind of like, you know, as waving a sonic screwdriver or solving the gadgetry or anything like that. It's also a nice... For being historically set, and, you know, it it kind of harks back to, as we were just sort of touched on before, Doctor Who's sort of basis of being an educational programme. It's a nice sort of atmospheric chunk of that time in history. And I quite like that as well. You know what I mean? It's it's nice to sometimes see... You know, whilst I'll say planets and alien races are great, but it's sometimes nice to see Doctor Who sort of, you know... I, I like historical Doctor Who. And this is probably a nice example of it as well. And um, there's nothing, i say, offensively wrong with it. When I was watching it, and once I got my head round it, uh, how it was presented... Um, there's nothing here that you kind of look at and go this is absolutely shambolically awful you know it's a decent little story well told and in an era where obviously as part of the presentation we've got here we can't rely on computer graphics we can't rely on special effects the performances are kind of taken down a notch because it's all done in stills but It still holds. I was still interested. I still wanted to find out what happened at the end. And for that, it's not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who. Okay,
1: closing statement for the prosecution, Dave. This is actually
2: an alright story. It's not bad. As I said, I love the banging steam tune at the start. It really sucks. You only get, oh yeah, this is classic Doctor Who. But then it kind of goes a bit sideways. You've got the big acting and the big accents, and the story is good, but it's done in a very jumpy way. You've got five seconds here, five seconds there, and it never really feels like it's settled. You're always just moving on to the next thing. The characters, they're all very, very obvious characters. You've got the big fat squire, who's obviously corrupt because he's big and fat. You've got the dirty scheming pirate, who's obviously dirty and scheming because he's got a beard. it's all this kind of thing the pirate's even got a fucking hook for a hand (laughs) (laughs) like it's so stereotypically done and I know the stereotypes of the 60s were different but they didn't need to have the pirate with a hook for a hand, he could have just been a pirate you didn't have to have the fat squire It's, it's a good story but it's also overly long, it's stretched out from about halfway through the second episode, you know it's just going to be backstabbing and double-crosses and heists the whole way through till the end. And that's fine, but it means there's a good 40 minutes of this story that's nothing but double-crosses and backstabbing and let's go and find the gold, which they could do without. And it's also really quite violent. There's a lot of death and starlings and threats I don't know how many people were threatened by getting their tongue cut out, but it was quite a few. Which I don't know if I really expected from a 1960s educational children's show. It's, it's violent and angry and shouty. And at points, almost confusing, because it jumps back and forth so much. And when you get to the end, almost everyone's dead. And as you said, there's no follow-up, there's no finishing scene. You get, oh, they're dead, they're dead, they're dead. Oh, no, he's dead. Oh, he's held him so he can shoot somebody else. All right, I'll, and that's it. They just leave. There's no justice done. There's no local people getting any share of the gold. Because as far as we know, the revenue man and the squire just split the gold at the end of it and went, oh, ah, we didn't find anything. These pirates killed each other. And that would be it. There's no justice. There's no happiness. There's no bright finish that you expect from a doctor who story so i think it is guilty of crimes against doctor who because it's not why picture a 60s doctor who it's 60s afternoon film where there's pirates and violence and stabbings and screams and then that's it done it's filler it's not a doctor
1: who story and that's why it's guilty okay then Wait, shall we get to the verdict
0: then go on then okay
1: Right, it's difficult to know where to begin to judge a story where so much of the visual archive is missing, so let's just base it on the story alone. The Smugglers is a prime example of why the strictly historical adventures have run their course by this stage of the show. If it gets to the point where you're doing a story based on historical events that doesn't actually build up to an actual event, then maybe it's time to jack in that approach. And that's where the Smugglers falls down. It feels rudderless, so to speak. There's some nice individual stories going on, the Doctor, Ben and Polly getting embroiled in murder and abduction, skullduggery and corruption, but they don't really lead anywhere other than a rammy of some, over some gold doubloons in a church. There's no sense of peril when Pike's crew descend on the mainland, they're kind of built up as such a threat that the Doctor feels that he can't leave and must protect the village against them. But this is completely forgotten by the time we get to the climax of the story. Pike's crew just swan up to the church and instantly happen upon the treasure why not show them as being a bit more of a threat like cherub is show them looting and plundering the village show them creating havoc show them taking lives of innocents it's kind of a missed opportunity to do something dramatic to round off the story oh, and
2: give art no. are you actually asking for a bit more death and violence <laughs> that's what you want that's what this that's is missing what
0: I'm hearing
1: I felt that maybe the story might have benefited from it as a big climax at the end but it's a, a bit of a missed opportunity to do something dramatic to round off the story and give Hartnell one last defiant hero moment before he bows out of the show. And it just seems kind of just such a waste of some stunning locations and good supporting performances not to have done that. I mean, perhaps if the footage was still in existence, then I might be more inclined to give it more of a pass. Even from the tele snaps, you get an impression of how much the visuals would elevate the story. From what we can see, they made great use of this Cornish coastline and actually film the ship scenes on an actual ship instead of in studio. But without those, the whole production kind of feels meandering and flat. There's not really enough story here to carry four episodes. There's no incidental music either, which is dropping the ball somewhat. I mean, incidental music's integral to Doctor Who, and its presence here would have given, for example, the final fight between Pike and Cherub a sense of excitement. Whereas listening to it it just sounds stagey there's nothing there to heighten the drama of the moment the story's got some decent character moments ben and polly get a lot to do i mean fair enough that's kind of born out of circumstances surrounding hartnell's ability at this point and they are a good team ben and polly but ultimately the story's just not that exciting if you're not going to build up to an actual event as your climax to your story then at least introduce some sort of twist along the lines of what they've done in the time meddler that's how to do a proper non-historical historical. So Smugglers was commissioned and delivered in a hurry, and sadly it shows there's a real attempt to do something different in terms of production here. But just imagine what that would been like to have a story that matched up to what we going can assume are impressive visuals. So, you know, guilty it is.
0: Fine then.
1: <laughs> if you compare it to other historical episodes, right, you've got things like the Aztecs, the Crusades marco polo all of which build up to a big event at the end this doesn't really
2: uh speaking as the prosecution i was actually quite sad at the end of this because i wish i could have got to see it i think it would have been quite a good episode if we'd got to see it yeah i think it was just not quite there wasn't enough that came through because we couldn't see it so the sounds didn't go with the images so
1: even though you could hear it and you could picture it in your head, I wish I could have been lazier and just seen it. I think it's going to be one of these cases like The Enemy of the World, before that came back. Everybody had the impression that going off the soundtrack alone, it was quite a dull story. Nothing really happens because they had this one existing episode that's basically just set in a caravan. Yeah. And the minute it came back, everybody's opinion of it practically changed. I think we'd have that with the smugglers. Because yeah. they're making such extensive use of location shooting for the first time in the show's history. That that dramatic landscape of Cornwall would really add to things. But, like I said, it's a story. Uh, you know. I, they can I only think judge it can't it stand without
2: up. the visuals. And mm. without the visuals it doesn't stand up as a good Doctor Who story.
1: Yeah. It's got a missing element. and um, The story itself isn't strong enough, so we can only really judge it on what we've got in front of us. So, yeah, guilty it's got to be, I'm afraid.
0: Yeah, all right then.
1: (laughs) You don't seem particularly cut up about this as a defence guy. I
0: do, I do try. Well, what what can I change? I can't change your mind, can I?
1: Well, you can't change my mind,
0: but not yours. It's
1: not not my opinion that matters. I'm just. No, it's not. As we've seen with Destiny
0: the Daleks, it can turn round. Yes so that's what
1: we'll do as always we'll put this episode up to the vote on Twitter so after this episode goes out for seven days we're on a poll you get to decide whether the smugglers is guilty or not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who and we'll reveal the results on the next episode talking of which shall we decide what we're going to do for the next episode for episode 27 of the Police Box alright okay oh well in that case, it's time for the envelope, envelopes of justice, so let's decide what we're going to do on episode 27 of the Police Box. Now, it's Cameron's choice. Cameron's he choice, because you won the last episode's vote. It, so, yep. as always, I'll run my finger across the envelopes in the box. At any point, say stop. What we draw, you get to decide whether you want to defend, or if you want to pass it to Dave, or you want to prosecute it. Choice is entirely yours. Winner's privilege. Right. Okay. So, got the box. Aye. And I'll run my finger back and forward across the envelopes, and at any point, say stop, and that will be the episode we do on episode okay. Uh Stop. Come on, fear her. <laughs> no, please, just no. no. I hate to disappoint you, Dave. It's not a new series episode we're going to be doing. No. We're going to be doing something from the Hinchcliffe and Williams era of Doctor Who, so we've got another Tom Baker. Nice. Oh, Uncle Tom. But a lot of classics in this era so let's see what we've got doing this one for you big man <laughs> <laughs>
2: that man there
1: doing it for your auntie Val that man there Dave is pointing to a signed picture of Tom Baker on his wall let's see what we're going to be doing the tension is bearable <laughs> 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 episode 27 of the Police Fox will be the robots of death
0: Ah, I watched this like a week ago.
1: (laughs) Can we declare a (laughs) mistrial? So we've got Tom, we've got Leela, uh, we've got robots, we've got Agatha Christie in space, basically, aren't
0: we? We've got, um, can I point out the fact that me and Kyle watched this about two weeks ago, and now, whenever any sort of financial thing is ever mentioned, me and Kyle just look at each other and go, money, Zilda. (laughs) <laughs> every time and it's just an in-joke so this is awesome um, I, I wonder if Cameron wants to defend this one I can't are you getting
1: that impression too
0: yes yeah. I cannot kick robots to death yeah I'll be defending this
1: defending for All the right. third time in a row okay Dave you've got to prosecute Tom and Leela that's fine I can do that
2: he can take it he's a big man and she can take it as well if I had that dream
1: that's what was leaving the gap open for I knew you'd say that
0: He was leaving the gap open as well.
1: Yeah. I had to say it because I didn't want to disappoint you like I disappoint everyone else. Big enough gap just for Thomas to clear. (laughs) (laughs) On that though, shall we finish? Yeah. Let's finish. Let's finish on that gap. Okay. This has been episode 26 of the Polish Fox. We put the smugglers on trial. I've been Lee. I've been Dave.
0: I've been Cameron. And
1: we'll see you next time for the Robots of Death.
3: I let a stupid cocker like you aboard me boat. Perhaps for the money in my purse. <gasps> you have a woman's purse. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wager that purse has never been used as a rowing boat. I'll wager it's never had 16 shipwrecked mariners tossing in it. Yes, well, right again, Ron, I must say, when it comes to tales of courage, I can say I'm going to have to keep my mouth shut. Oh, you have a woman's mouth below. (laughs)